me. Our second um, New Testament lesson is from Matthew's Gospel, the, the 14th chapter, beginning with verse 22. It's about Peter walking on the water. A it's a very familiar passage of Scripture and one that I think has some real insights and some real messages for us this day. Listen now for God's Word. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from land, and the wind was against them. Early in the morning, Jesus came walking towards them on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when Peter noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you a little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> We live in a binary society. Binary is an interesting word, <clears throat> excuse me, that came into vogue for me several years ago. <clears throat> Binary thinking is the tendency to split things into two simple categories. It's either black and white, it's either or, it's either right or wrong, conservative or liberal, traditional or progressive, male or female, straight or gay. You kind of get the notion about it. One value of binary thinking is that it does simplify things. It's a lot easier to juggle two opinions or two points of view instead of four or five points of view. And in a complex and difficult world like we live in, binary thinking can relieve stress and pressure in life but also can make life a lot more difficult. I grew up in the South where binary thinking was common practice. We didn't call it that. We didn't use that term. We called it common sense. There were black schools and white schools. There were black restrooms and white restrooms. There were black water fountains and white water fountains. People got married with 3.2 children or people didn't get married. People lived on the right side of the tracks or they lived on the wrong side of the tracks. People that were married had children, and people that were not married that had children were called illegitimate children. This kind of thinking also applied to our faith and how we viewed Christianity. You're either spiritual or you're worldly. You're religious or you're secular. You're evangelical or you're not. You accept Christ first or you're not saved. You live out your faith first, and then you get to know who Jesus is. 
Dr. E.T. Thompson, the great historian of the Presbyterian Church, talked about the spirituality of the church that particularly existed in the Southern Church. That is, the only business the church should be about is the spiritual well-being of a person. The church has no business getting into worldly matters like politics or justice or fairness in the workplace. I experienced that reality as a teenager. I had a great idea as a 16-year-old. At least I thought it was a great idea. There was some empty space in our church building, and I wanted to, on Friday nights, start a teen center where teenagers could hang out in a very positive and wholesome kind of environment. I took it to session, as good Presbyterians do, and the blowback and the resistance from the session was incredible. Elders said, well, you don't know who might show up. Or what if, quote, they do damage to the building? Or it's not the church's business to babysit teenagers in the community. To say the least, I was stunned as a teen. But I experienced the reality that many people view our faith in a rather binary fashion. It's about your soul and your salvation. It's not about the world and what's in it. If you save people individually, then worldly problems will take care of themselves. Well, I think the disciples struggled with how to live out that calling just like we do. Our story about Peter and James and the disciples on the lake illustrates the complexity and yet also the simplicity of our faith. It seems that the disciples and Jesus had been through quite a bit of stress and turmoil in the last several days in their ministry. Just prior to this story, you read these kinds of accounts in Matthew 14. John the Baptist had just been beheaded by Herod as Herod granted the wish of the daughter of Herodias. A huge crowd had gathered for Jesus and the disciples, and the disciples said, we can't feed them, send them away, there's too many. Jesus took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people plus women and children and 12 baskets left over. Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go to the other side. Jesus dismissed the crowds and went up on the mountain to pray. A storm came and Jesus approached the boat out of which Peter walked on the water. There's a lot of things going on with them. The disciples wanted to get rid of the crowd and just be with Jesus. They were overwhelmed with how to feed the people. They had had enough. They just wanted to be quiet and peaceful and calm. They were tired and confused, unsure and insecure. How many times have we been those disciples? Tired and confused unsure and insecure, unclear about our own purpose and not sure at all where life is heading, worried about and worn out from anxiety and stress of just trying to live life, confused by messages we hear from family members or friends or even from national leadership, and then top that off with the COVID-19 issue, over 160,000 deaths from the virus, We've been stranded, cooped up in our homes for three or more months, unable to socialize and get out, no restaurants to go to, no plays to attend, no large gatherings, can't even come to church. 
And then on top of that is the George Floyd death and the Black Lives Matter movement that has rocked our country. And as a congregation, Grace Covenant Church lives right in the middle of that movement with the Lee statue only a half block from the front doors of our church. Woo! I just get tired listing all of that. Not to mention trying to go to the grocery store to buy some food and wonder if you're going to catch the disease or not being able to social distance in a sizable crowd. Life, simply put these days, is hard. And I believe that it has become harder in this year, 2020, and we all wonder where is it headed. It was a similar kind of chaos that plagued the disciples in the boat. While Jesus was off praying on the mountain by himself, night had fallen. The disciples were alone in the boat. The waves started battering the boat. The wind blew against them, and they were a long distance from land. It was early morning. Jesus approached the boat supposedly between 3 and 6 a.m., and they had no notion of who he was. They thought he was a ghost. And they were scared to death. Jesus responded by declaring who he was. And yet Peter was not completely convinced. So he said to Jesus, command me to come walk on the water. And Jesus said, come. And we know the rest of the story. This story is a word of grace, of reassurance, of peace, and a story about hope. A couple of learnings, at least for me, from this story. First of all, you notice that Jesus came to the disciples and Peter in the middle of tumult and fear and stress and problems. The Christ that we worship is not just about making us feel good. He doesn't only come to us when life is going great. He's not only available to us in the church. He's not only found in spiritual highs on retreats on a mountaintop. He doesn't reward us for good behavior. He's not keeping a score sheet on what we do and how well we do it. No, Christ comes to us in the hardest times of our lives. And like the disciples, we don't always recognize him. And yet he comes to us and stands with us and calls to us. So if you are wondering today where Jesus is, look at the hardest experiences and times in your life. Look at your addiction. Look at your failed marriage. Look at your loss of a job. Look at the sudden death of a friend. And there is Jesus calling out to you and to me saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. It happens all the time. And yet we often are not willing to see him. But Jesus is there. It might be through a friend. It might be through a colleague. Through a kind word. Or a word of grace for someone. That's Jesus. Jesus declared when you do it to the least of these. We are doing it to him. So we're not alone. The disciples were not alone. Fear is not in charge. Jesus is in charge. And Jesus is present. 
So sharpen your vision and wear your faith goggles, for he is real close by. The other piece of the story is Peter walking on the water. Jesus commanded to Peter, come. And Peter got out of the boat and did, started walking, was doing fine. Till he saw the strong winds and became frightened and began to sink. Seems to me it's a spitting image of all of us. We see Jesus. We hear Jesus' voice and command. We even venture out of the boat. Yet when strong obstacles or opinions or politics get voiced, we begin to sink and slow down and stay focused on those side stories instead of on Jesus. Now I realize what I'm saying is easier said than done. It's easy to be distracted by the competing entities in our lives. They're attractive and they're enticing. And we think we can figure things out, yet we begin to sink and are scared and begin to back down. In our Romans passage that Rusty read this morning, I think we're given a solution to our faith issues. Romans 10.10 says, For one who believes with the heart is justified, and one who confesses with the mouth is saved. Paul is declaring to us it's both and. It's not either or. It's confessing with our mouth. It's believing with our heart. Peter confessed with his mouth. Command me to come, he declared. And yet Peter's heart was not complete and he began to sink. You see, it takes both heart and mind, body and soul, a confession of faith and a commitment of purpose. I began today with binary thinking, either or, and I want to conclude with both and. Our faith is confession with our mouth and passion with our hearts. If Jesus means anything, it takes all of me and you. It takes my heart and my words. And I find a lot of people that want to quote scripture and that's their faith. But I also find a lot of people passionate about living out their faith and that's their faith. But I wonder how many of us are both and. Both declaring Jesus with our mouths and living out our faith with our hearts. Now to put a little edge on this story, I think this truth in this passage applies very much to current issues of race and COVID. We declare we need to work on improving race relations and racial issues. We say Jesus accepts all people regardless of race. We make declarations that we've been racist. We write checks to eliminate racism. We even write statements in the church on how racism is wrong. But what about our hearts? What about our passions? What about our own personal involvement? What are we willing to do over the long haul to make even a small difference? Are we willing to give time and energy to know people who are different from me? and to see their point of view, or is this just another fad that will die out in a few months? And what do we declare about Jesus in this COVID season? 
What would Jesus declare about the elderly who get sick and how we have let down a whole generation or about minority populations that have all kinds of disease problems and are more susceptible to the disease? How would he command us? And then what would we do? Where is our heart and our passion to make a difference? Do we really believe this virus is serious as it is or is it just a hoax and will one day miraculously disappear? You see, I think Peter was able to speak about Jesus and declare him to be the Messiah. Yet when he got out of the boat, he lost his focus and he began to sink. We have no problem speaking about Jesus in our, quote, boat in the church or among church folks. Yet when we get out of our boat, when we get out of the church, we're not as comfortable and bold. It's okay within the church, but out of that trapping and relationships, we lose our focus. And I think we do the same thing with race relations and COVID-19. When things get too hot politically and personally, we get scared and our resolve weakens. Yet Jesus calls us to word and deed to live for him. The amazing end of this story is in verse 33. And those in the boat worshipped him saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I think a gift from this story is that when we confess Jesus with our lips, when we talk the talk of what God's doing in our lives, wherever we are and whenever it is, and when we keep focused on Christ about our commitment and our passion, that is when we walk the walk, finally, Finally, we're able to worship God fully in spirit and truth and declare he is the Son of God. So folks, it's not either or. It's not either talk the talk or walk the walk. It takes both. It took both for the disciples. It takes both for us. It is both and. So talk and walk. And give praise to Jesus, the Son of God. Let us pray. Eternal God, we thank you for this word to us that reminds us afresh of the fact that you've called all of us, our whole life, word and deed, to be about you and for your kingdom. Give us the courage. Give us the willingness to get out of our boats and to walk on those treacherous waters, but to keep our eyes on you as we live out our faith for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.